this one into the night. Jimmy Rollins is going to try for three. Here he comes. In the air, down the right field line. Way back there. On an RBI hit by Mitchie Poole. Here's the throw to the plate. It's in the air. He is. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Phillies Nation podcast. I'm your host, Ty Daubert, coming at you with a mid-World Series episode. The Phillies, first two games of the World Series, they split in Houston. Some encouraging signs. The offense in game one picks up the disappointing starting pitching. The bullpen so far through two games has looked pretty outstanding. But I think the biggest takeaway through two games has been, I I guess, one of the biggest factors in the Phillies even getting to this point on this unreal run. The top of their starting rotation, Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola, in this case, Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler in games one and two, they did not look too sharp so far to start this series. I guess the big question right now is, can they turn this around in their next starts or have they hit a wall a little bit as this season and this run has gone on going to get into that and all all the other stuff going on as we do a little temperature check how we're feeling and our predictions and and thoughts for the rest of this series as always i have my co-host nathan ackerman nathan what are you thinking right now i'm doing all right i think look everybody knew that they would take the split going into to uh houston for games one and two and i don't think anybody's really complaining about that i'm glad we're not doing the thing that we did in the first two or the nlds and the nlcs which is like should we feel good about the split or does it suck because they won the first game and then they should have gone up oh two and like you know we said that we wanted the split but is it actually a bad thing because of how it happened and oh is the team cut like i'm glad we don't have to do that again because it seems like people are pretty um you know, understanding that you 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 take one of the first two. If somebody had told you prior to the start of this thing that that's what would happen, everybody would take that. I think nobody's really mad about how the game's played out, but I think it's definitely concerning how they played out with, as you said, the reason why they got to the World Series is not exactly at the height of its powers right now. And those two guys atop the staff looking pretty vulnerable, especially Wheeler on, on five days rest that was kind of supposed to I guess bring his velo back up and make him seem more fresh. And he just looked like the sixth inning version of himself that we saw in the last couple of starts. So if that's going to continue, you know, it's, it's concerning for sure. But as far as the split itself, we said, we'll take it. I think we'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, like the Phillies, they haven't lost at home so far this playoff run, the Astros going into the series hadn't lost. So to to get it done, like you got to win at least one or you're just going to have to win one in Houston and you go back home with a chance. If you just did what you've been doing this whole playoff run, you're going to win the series. But it's a little tougher against the, the Astros or the best team that they face so far. One of the best teams in baseball this year. So, yeah, you, you definitely take it. But. As I kind of said before, I think this starting pitching that the Phillies have gotten so far is is the biggest concern. Aaron Nola gives up five runs as he gets what one out into the fifth inning in game one. Zach Wheeler goes five innings, gives up five runs, four earned. He got a little uh, 
he didn't get much help on, on a play from Edmundo Sosa and Reese Hoskins that allowed another run to score there. But yeah, they didn't look sharp. They didn't look anywhere close to their best. And that's the biggest question mark. Um, when the rotation is kind of aligned at the rotation, this whole playoff run has been aligned to, you know what you're going to get. You have like two studs at the, at the top and Ranger Suarez has emerged as someone really reliable, both as a starter and for two appearances out of the bullpen, you figure it out in these other games. It's going to be Noah Syndergaard in game three. They push Ranger back to game four after he pitched out of the bullpen in game one. <clears throat> to help them hold on but yeah when those when those top two guys are question marks it it makes everything a lot more shaky not that that this that's not rocket science i'm not coming up with some brilliant observation but i, I you don't really know but when you don't know what you're gonna when you're what you're gonna get from those guys when you're not quite as confident in them putting together the starts that they were they were showing off early in the postseason run. It just, I don't know if it inspires a ton of confidence as you, as you move back home. Yeah. And they were both the kind of outings and they're both the kind of, you know, guys where if this was June, you'd be like, Oh, they had one or two bad starts. They're going to figure this out in a, not a you know long time at all, but well, you each have one left in the one start left in the season now. So if that one's not the one where you sort of make it click, it's, you're probably going to lose the world series. So I think, yeah, it's, it's definitely like, you know, as, as we said, if, if you had said that they would take that, you know, they'd split, you would take it. But if you had said that like your top two horses in the staff are like all of a sudden big question marks now, which leaves games five and six as, you know, question marks too, it's not encouraging. And I'm, I'm, I'm especially concerned with the fact that for Wheeler, it was like, you know, it, it happened on five days rest. It wasn't like he was making a short rest start or even a normal rest start. It was like, we're going to push him back to game two because he can get that fifth day and we can sort of get him regrouped now. And it was the same kind of thing. So if that's what happens on five days rest, I, I understand he has five days rest before his next one too, which is good. And in, in, in that one, let's say it gets to a game six, you know, you're coming off of an off day you probably only need like five innings from him because it'll be an all hands on deck kind of thing with the pen. And if you can just get him to be himself for five innings and they're effective ones, then you're probably looking pretty okay. So I guess maybe you're less you, It's, it's less concerning with him, especially because it's only been one start with Nola. On the other hand, it's been two straight starts. Now that'll be coming in a game five against Justin Verlander, who probably won't be as bad as he was in, in, in um, the first game. You know, your pen might be a little bit more taxed. You're going to probably need more innings from him. You're coming off of two starts that are, you know, not your two best guys, although uh, Ranger Suarez has been very good. So, yeah, it's like you're you're in a position where if those guys aren't going to if, – if, if you're going to get performances from those guys like you got in the first two games, it's like, man, you better win the Syndergaard start and the Suarez start or you're facing some some challenges. Yeah. And I think, you know, you talked about how like the Wheeler stuff was down. He looked almost like the late start version of himself for his entire outing, but he still like through this playoff run was doing well, like a little later into his outings and kind of through this year, he didn't 
always have the same stuff that he did last year and was still pitching like pretty well when he was on the mound. What, what, what makes it worse is especially like early in, in game two, in, in addition to like the fastball being like 94, 95 instead of 97, 98, like he's also just throwing everything like completely center cut right down the middle of the plate. So it's like, yeah, something's got to give there either because some of these other starts you can think, I can think back to the early in the Padres start where he was kind of just throwing it right down the middle uh, or the Cardinals start early on where he's just throwing it right down the middle, but he's throwing 99 so you can get away with it. So like something has got to give there. You can't, <laughs> the velocity can't be down. And then the execution uh, is also off. Like I, I think something, I think that's where I kind of agree with your point that like with an extra, with another five days coming up, um, I think something will improve there for Wheeler um, just because he's, he hasn't always had the best stuff all throughout the postseason. Like you can live with this, this one bad start and kind of think that he figures it out. And for the Phillies, hopefully this isn't just him hitting a wall because it's been like a long run. Yeah, I think for him, the the concern comes from not the fact that he couldn't hit a spot and that everything was right down the middle of the plate, and more the fact that he's throwing ninety four on five days rest. Again, I'm I'm not going to hit the full panic button yet because he'll have another five days rest before his next start in Game Six, which might help him. And then again, probably need five innings from him. Like worst case, you can go five. He allows one zero two runs. And then you empty the clip in the pen and you can do that for probably the last two games because it's game six and seven of the World Series. And you might have to, whether you're trying to close it out or come back to force a game seven. So with him less concerning, I would say it is it is concerning that he did that on five days rest. But maybe like the second group of five days rest will help him more, more concerned about Nola for sure. Yeah. And and the thing with Nola, I I kind of one of the last points I want to make while we talk about the starters here. So for a long time, um, as the Phillies made this run, we talked about Aaron Nola, you know, he silenced all the doubters. He's changed the narrative. He had three straight, absolutely incredible starts, starting with uh, the, the postseason clincher in Houston at the end of the regular season. Then in St. Louis and Atlanta, like, first few starts there he was he was like brilliant but now it's gotten to the point where in the playoffs he had two great starts and now two really bad starts and the last one the one that's going to kind of tip the scales here is going to be like obviously the biggest game of his career it's going to be a pivotal game five in the playoffs it's at this point you don't know what's going to happen but it could potentially be a clincher for the Phillies could be a clincher for the Astros or it's going to tip the scales for the series in some way so it's like if Aaron Nola not not to get too much into the narratives but like this one is gonna really like people are gonna remember this one this one's really important if, if it's gonna be if this postseason run it'll be remembered for the good stuff definitely but will he be remembered I guess more for the starts of the great starts at the start of it or it's like ah like you know he started this off great but it's kind of tailed off and I think like this is his opportunity to really like solidify the like this really great run for him and um 
I don't know. It's just he just has to execute a little bit better. Like he can't make can't make the mistakes uh, to this lineup, or you know, it's going to be another another rough outing. But I I think I I think he's due for for a good one. I think going back home after two straight starts on the on the road and kind of some tougher environments. I think I think he's in line to uh, to be able to bounce back. Yeah, I do too. I I think Justin Verlander is too. So. We'll see how that kind of plays out. I That's think true. we were right. We were we were talking on on the last plot about like maybe part of what factors into your plan as far as who starts games one and two is who who you're more scared of between Verlander and Valdez. Which, I mean, I, I kind of suggested that Verlander is you know perhaps a little bit more questionable, and Valdez is probably the one that like scares you more. And if the first two games are any indication. Although, you know, Framber Valdez was cheating the whole time, so we can just throw those results out, out the window because none of that mattered because he's, you know, a cheater. Yeah, I guess we I guess we have to get into that now, right? The the <laughs> yeah, cheating stuff. Not? So if anyone has been, I don't know, online watching TV over the last 12, uh, 18 hours, something like that, and I don't know what time you're listening to this, but you've probably seen that people are suspicious about Framber Valdez and how he's touching his glove hand and how he's wiping his hands on his uniform and everything like that. They're suspicious about Martin Maldonado's bat, or I guess Albert Pujols' bat that he had been borrowing. Um, that one, I guess, technically was illegal, but that, um, yeah, a lot of accusations against the Astros of cheating, I guess, when, I, I guess the, when you've you've kind of warranted a, a reputation that I, those accusations are going to come around when people are suspicious, but yeah, what are you what are your thoughts? You want to break down, yeah. just how you're reacting to, to all of this? Okay, so let's do the Valdez stuff first. Um, I I will say as much as I just clowned that, like I I understand the suspicion because like on its face, he did kept on he he did keep on you know, touching a spot on the palm of his glove hand, wiping his hand on his pants. There was a weird thing where he was like walking toward the foreign substance check and he like wiped his hand and then like showed the other hand and they didn't check one hand and like he kept on going to his hat, which are things that pitchers who have been using sticky stuff have done when they use sticky stuff. So like, and then he changed the cleats and the gloves mid game, which you know, again, all of that adds up to if you're if you're asking questions, I I understand it. At the same time, people are jumping to conclusions and saying there's like video proof that he was cheating. That's a little bit much. Seems like a little bit far for me. And also the things that he did, like touch his palm and touch his hat and wipe his pants, like those are things that pitchers do when they're not using sticky stuff. Yeah. And there's this thing called sweat that's perfectly legal that you can use whenever you want that like happens when you're playing a sports game and helps you throw a baseball that is totally fine. So that's obviously probably what was taking place. They do check these guys. Like Rob Thompson said, I don't know how like vigorously they check them. You know, a lot of times it's like, give me a quick glance and then walk off the field. So, you know, for, for all those reasons, like I understand why people are saying this is kind of sus. He, was good and he's really good and the Phillies couldn't touch him and 
again, I, I, I understand why those things add up to some questions being asked, especially on a stage like this, because you want to make sure that they're playing within the rules. But like Framer Valdez didn't cheat. And it's just like, didn't it just feels like, didn't we just do this like three weeks ago where everyone is flipping out? Like, look at look at Joe Musgrove's ears. Look how he's touching his ears. Look at his spin rate in this game. Oh, his spin rate's up like 100 RPM. He's clearly doing this. He's clearly doing this where everyone like flips out and then they go and check him and then there's nothing like I know the Phillies didn't check him. And then but then there's the counter reaction. The Mets go and check him. And everyone's like, oh, what losers like the Phillies do that. Like they look pretty ridiculous. There was just there was not much of anything. And I get why people like want to. They want to watch the Astros and call them out for stuff, but there didn't seem like there was anything that egregious to me. No. Yeah. Like they just couldn't touch him. I, I, I don't, there was definitely no like absolute proof that he was definitely cheating or anything like that. Could he have been yeah. using some sort of substance? Like, I think that's probably plausible, yeah. but it, the Phillies didn't seem too concerned about it. They didn't ask for a check. So I, I don't, think it's anyone's place to like be super worked up about it yeah okay however the the maldonado bat thing it's a little weird to me i think that's even i think that's even like less of a deal no i think it's more because i've i've heard conflicting things about like whether it was a safety concern or whether like the barrel was larger or something like that or whether the material like doesn't make the bat break or whatever whatever the case my my question is, I have two. One, when Maldonado goes to Pujols and he says, hey, can I get a bunch of bats? Don't you think Pujols knows that about this rule? Like, I get why Maldonado wouldn't know because he debuted in 2011 and he hadn't been using the bats and, like, the grandfather rule didn't apply to him, but I don't even know if he was using the bats in the first place. So I, I understand why he might just think, oh, it's Albert Pujols, Hall of Famer. I like his bats. Let me get some. But Pujols, like, he's been in the league since the early 2000s. He was there when the rule change went into effect. He he knew that he was allowed to use them because it was grandfathered in, which, by the way, that's stupid, too. It feels like he would have said something like, yeah, sure, by the way, you can't use these bats. Maybe he didn't. I don't think you could, like, jump to the conclusion that he did. But it feels kind of odd that that would just happen. And then also the, the league just, like, you don't check the bats like you're going to have this this rule but you don't check the bats in the world series and then like so that that all kind of adds up to like i i don't think he called them up and was like hey let me help me cheat in the world series because i need your bats that have a larger barrel you know whatever the case might might be but like it's it's weird that it feels like the communication there at least a few people missed a couple steps and then also what if he gets a game-winning hit? Or what if the Astros win that game and he hit an RBI single? Like, then what? I don't think they should suspend him because I think that's a bit much. But, like, what's the discipline? You're not going to, like, forfeit the game or re- protest the game or replay the game. But if it does give you an advantage because the barrel's larger and he played a role in the Astros winning that game, what happens? Well, if if MLB has set any precedent, um, nothing yeah, would happen. Nothing exactly. Um, <laughs> that, that's that's my point. Like, but that 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 would feel like a stain to me. If so, if if it is true that these bats make it give you a significant advantage, which again I've heard, 
I've heard it does, and I've heard it doesn't. I don't uh, think I don't they think do. Be like I don't think they do. So, so but then, the change... but then why? Hold on. Why? So is it is it a safety thing? So they made the change at the same. There was like an issue with like the how the grain of this was. I th- believe this was when players started more like fully getting into maple from ash, but there was like an issue with with how the grain um, was being done, and they were like shattering really hard. But at the same time that they made that change, they also um, made the diameter of the bat smaller from, I think it was 2.75 inches to 2.61. Yeah. So I don't, I guess you like can't know how big Pujols' barrels are like now, but like he could have been using a bat that's like barely bigger um, on the barrel. But I, like maybe this is naive of me. I truly think this was like all an innocent mistake from both Maldonado and Pujols. Like Pujols probably, he probably hasn't thought about the bats he uses in like 13 years since they changed it. When he found out that like, yeah, you can still use your bat. I don't know why they're not checking the bats though. Like if it's an actual thing, plus why are bats grandfathered in? Why is it like if, if they shatter super hard, like it could hurt somebody, but if you've already been, been doing it, it's fine what doesn't make any sense yeah it's all kind of it's all kind of weird all all of the they don't like check any equipment it's kind of just like stuff doesn't isn't a problem until it gets pointed out and that's how they handled like foreign substances for super long it's it's how they handled steroids for 10 years they was like banned but they didn't check it yeah it's it's like weird but i i i don't think the the bat thing like is actually that big of a deal I don't think he had any real, like, big advantage. Probably not. The, it is, maybe it is stupid though. Like, what are we doing? It's yeah. It's it's, like the it's more it's more dumb than anything like anything like actually that bad. Yeah, but I wouldn't blame people. Like, if he hits a two run homer there, a three run homer there, like, and the Astros win that game, I don't blame people who are like, "Well, that sucks," you know. Yeah, I also think it's funny. Like, I've definitely heard this before where players, like, want to use a star player's bat because they are like, oh, yeah, like, Louisville Slugger or Marucci or whoever, like, gives them all the good bats. So they, like, want to use their bat. I think that's funny. Yeah, yeah. Like, he was do, like, do you think, that, do you think that's actually bats. true? Do you think that's actually true? That they give them the best bats? Yeah. No. Dude, the I players think... seem to think it, though. No, you... You just think it's Albert Pujols and he's a Hall of Famer and he's good, so you want to use his bat. Maybe you think it has. I think it's probably more like they think it has powers or something like magical. No, like Maldonado like Maldon actually thinks that Maldonado said that like he thinks that the manufacturer gives like Pujols and these star players like the highest quality wood. Why would I don't believe that? Why would they not just give everybody the highest quality wood? I don't know. But they at least give all the major leaguers like the same stuff. Like, uh, if if the stuff you're selling to like amateurs isn't as good as the stuff you give to Albert Pujols, like maybe that's fair. But yeah, sure. But I think all the major <laughs> leaguers probably get pretty good stuff. I'm, I think I'm with you, but I think it's funny that they think that. Like, like yeah. there's some kind of conspiracy at Louisville Slugger to like give Martin Maldonado like a bad bat. Bats. yeah Yeah, that's pretty good that's good i mean i i get it i i I would understand it if you think like 
oh, it's Albert Pools. There must be some hits in here. Let's let's use his bats. But like not anything scientific, I would bet. Maybe they do. I don't know. Maybe they have a few, maybe a few of their trees are like, oh, this is particularly good. Let's give them to Albert Pools so he can hit a <laughs> bunch of homers with it and then like tell us how good our bats are. But yeah, I don't know, whatever. All right. Do no, wanna... I think I think you're right that he he probably didn't like willingly cheat. At the end of the day, he used a bat that was banned. Yeah, and they threw it out. They lost game one. They took it out. Yeah. He's not using it anymore. It would I be think. a much bigger deal if they, if had they won, won or something. One. And also, like, you're going to suspend a guy for a World Series game because of that. Yeah. All right. Let's – uh, you want to talk about the bullpen real quick? And yeah. I guess part of that, Ranger Suarez, uh, he's big part of game one, throws out the bullpen. Like I said before, he's now – going to start game four instead of game three it's going to be Noah Syndergaard game three but in game one it was a like a master class I thought from Rob Thompson and and all the relievers except for maybe David Robertson who made it shaky in the 10th inning to get the save um has looked shaky for a couple outings now and then even in game two the Phillies are losing but the bullpen looks good again Brogdon looks good he shuts down Jordan Alvarez Brad Hand takes down a scoreless inning after looking like a disaster for a while. Um, not high leverage, high leverage innings in, in game two, but through two games, bullpen holding up very nicely. Yeah, I didn't think David Robertson actually looked that bad in game one. I mean, he struck out Jordan uh, Alvarez. The double that, who was it? Bregman, right? The double that he hit, like, it off the bat, I thought that was a pop up to like shallow left and then it just kept on going so fine and then he strikes out Kyle Tucker who had homered twice in that game pitched around one guy and then got a big round out so I mean it it was like coming into that spot I think I was kind of of the opinion that that we talked about on the last pod where like maybe you trust Connor Brogdon more because overall because he's looked pretty good his last few times out but like as much as I try to stay away from this stuff Game one of the World Series, bottom of the 10th, one-run game. A little experience helps. And I, I don't mind having a guy who's, like, won a World Series and pitched in a bunch of huge spots. I, I'm not saying that to the point where, like, you know, like, Girardi would use, like, Familia over, like, Sir Anthony Dominguez because he's more experienced and he's pitched in a bunch of big games. Like, I'm, I'm not going to take it that far. But I don't know. I, I, I was reasonably confident with him in that in that spot um he, he just he he needs to stop stop throwing like curveballs at everybody's head like it yeah. keeps going over people's heads it's gonna it's gonna cost them one of these times yeah but if you're gonna throw good curveballs and a guy who's hitting let's see about oh so under 100 in the playoffs is gonna have a green light on 3-0 after by the way what a sequence like trying to get on by leaning into a pitch which makes me think you really don't want to hit there and then like arguing that and then it's 3-0, you're hitting under 100, and you have a green light, and you swing over a curveball 3-0 when, like, you could walk there and then make him throw a strike, which he had been kind of struggling to do. He had a wild pitch and a walk. Like, weird. Weird um, at-bat to me, in my opinion, there by whoever it was. I, I, yes. Yes. I, respect, I respect leaning into it. Like, I have admiration for that. I respect. But... Um, I don't, I don't like that after the game, like he denied it and, and said that he couldn't yeah. believe he got called for it. Like, come on. Yeah. Come on. He, don't, very, 
He very obviously leaned into it. <laughs> there were like fan, like all the Astros fans were saying, "Oh, he didn't lean into it," and then Phillies fans were saying it was a strike. Like, no, you're both yeah. wrong. He leaned into it. He leaned into it, and it was very clearly like two feet inside. So <laughs> he, he should he should be proud of it. Sure. Yeah, I leaned yeah. into it. Like I was trying to get away with one. Yeah, you're trying to take one from the team in the World Series, big spot. But again, weird approach there to like lean into it and then swing 3-0 when um, you have not been hitting very well. The rest of the bullpen, yeah, it looked pretty good yesterday. Bilotti, Hand, and uh, Brogdon. I, I don't know if I'm still going to like trust Brad Hand in a big spot in the World Series because, I don't know, I've seen more bad out of him than I've seen good. Brogdon so the the Brogdon usage was somewhat curious to me because when I first saw him come in I was like this is fine give him an inning of work but then he was facing the top of the lineup and he struck out Alvarez and it was the kind of thing where it was like oh that might be a matchup that they want to come back to but if if you like the way Brogdon's stuff plays against Alvarez who's a very smart hitter and you might want to use him in that matchup later on in the series like do you want him to see him already? Like now Alvarez has seen him. He knows the changeup. He knows the fastball. He knows all those kinds of things. And it's when you, when you've seen him before, only a few days prior, like you know a lot more what you're going to see and you're more equipped to handle that at bat. So it was good to get Brogdon some work. I don't know if they should have like wasted, you know, the, the Brogdon-Alvarez matchup in a spot that really didn't matter. Unless I'm overthinking it and they're not going to use Connor Brogdon against the harder lineup anyway, which is probably the case, but... I don't know. That one that one was confusing to me unless they just again don't plan to use him against Altuve Alvarez and Peña. And I think part of it I I get what you're saying, but I think at that point they were still like not they didn't want to use their top top guys but still trying to like keep it close-ish yeah. and and like not make it a blowout so they didn't have to throw Gibson or something. Yeah, so, that was the seventh. They they just made it five two. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I so I, I think I'm I think I'm good with it. And but uh, you know that Schwarber ball stays fair. That other one gets out and he comes close. You look pretty smart for using Brogdon there and, and keeping it close. And I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I I think uh, I think it was fine, but. You know, we mentioned Ranger Suarez. He threw in game one. Do you want to just, before we wrap this up, I guess, talk a little bit about games three and four, these matchups, and I guess the decision to go with Cindergard game three instead of of Ranger? Yeah, I like it. Uh, I'm not... I'm not like game planning for a game seven right now. I talked about it last time. It's like, if you can get it there, that's a good thing because you want to make the series as short as you possibly can. If you throw a Ranger game four, he would be on, let's see, five off day six, three days rest for game seven. But like, again, I I, I don't care. I think you, you need to get as much out of him in that game four start as you possibly can. And the innings that he took down in game one, even though John Smoltz was saying this on, on the broadcast, he was like, don't, don't do the whole, it's his side day thing because it's, like high stress outings in a tie game of like the world series. So it's not exactly like you're throwing a bullpen on the side in your usual off day thing. So like that, I buy, I think if he were to come back on, on game three, it, it would be, it would be two days rest for like the biggest start of his life. I, 
to me, there's just no no drawback in pushing him back an extra day, getting him an extra day of rest there. And it's like, I I, I get that you don't want to go down 2-1 with Thor on the mound, but also, if, you're, if it's going to be, if it's an effectiveness thing with Ranger, like maybe you go down 2-1 with Ranger on the mound, and that's not something you want to do either. And like, Thor's been pretty good. So I, I can't say I have like no confidence in him in that spot. And yeah, I, I I like it. I just don't see any downside unless you're game planning for a game seven that A, you don't know is going to happen and and B, like you'd be happy to get there anyway. So I, I'm I'm pro. Yeah, I guess um, the only concern is if Ranger like said that he didn't feel right and that's why he wanted another day, I guess that could be a concern just from kind of the same points as Nolan Wheeler. Like if these guys are starting to, to feel the usage a little bit, that, that would be a concern, but otherwise I'm pretty much with you. Noah, Noah Syndergaard, I think uh, he'll be able to give you like what you need at, at, at least at three, four innings, maybe of solid baseball and they hand it off to the bullpen, which has been really good. So I'm kind of, kind of with you there just I, I guess just keep an eye on just I Rangers arm that's the big thing I would I would imagine yeah yeah I don't know that's that's like a lot about the starting pitching I guess one more thing about the bullpen is it's good that they've they've lost every game too since the wild card series or you know since the since they played the Braves but like it's good that they've lost these games by at least three runs actually they've lost each of them by three because you know they've they've tend to empty the tank in game one and then that does things for the bullpen that you want them all fresh for game three but at least these games haven't been super close where you're not trying to you know burn through your top guys so if there's if there's a silver lining to the way that they've lost all these game twos it's that you don't have to use your top three or four guys and now everybody should be fully rested for game four three game three which shouldn't be a problem as well because you know you have the off day after after game five so you can pretty much go like you can you can basically empty empty the tank whenever you want because there's always an off day soon. So that's that's a good thing. Um yeah, one one Citizens Bank Park should be should be rocking game three. It should be fun. All right. Before we wrap this up, any predictions, last thoughts, anything you want to touch on before we before we end this? I don't know. I I, I part of me wanted to stick with my Astros in six pick, but also I thought the Astros were going to win the first three games or maybe I didn't, but that was like my bold take. So that obviously didn't happen. I think that they're going to, I'm not worried about games three and four, like as much as some people might be because of the pitching matchups. Like I think they're going to, I think they're going to split those two. I think they might even be able to win both, but like, I don't know. I think they're going to, let's say, okay, they're going to win game three. They're going to lose game four win game five, lose game six, and then whatever happens in game seven happens in, 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 in game seven. But yeah, I mean, they were that the way that they won game one is like, I, we felt dumb for picking the Astros and then they proved to us in game one, why you just like, it's hard to pick against them. It's also hard to pick against a team that's eight and one in the playoffs and won 106 games and is like loaded everywhere and has no real holes. So yeah, I think they're in in a good spot. The split obviously helps them. They need Wheeler and Nola to be better, and I think at least, especially Wheeler and probably Nola too. I think they will be. 
So I have I literally kind of have like no clue what to expect going forward yeah, right now. Other than I don't know if there's ever been more of a Phillies win than Ranger at home in game four. I, I think that's like the ultimate win. If I have to make one prediction, that that game is being won. Christian Javier is good. Right. Ranger Suarez is good. Yeah, true. That guy is not that guy's not losing a home star in the World Series. I, I don't also, see it. I, they've just been like they've they've been winning the games that don't make sense to win, like all the bullpen games, all the like Thor slash Bailey Falter games. Yeah, they've, they've been winning them. So I kind of feel one, like they're one, gonna do that. one dumb last thing that yeah. I wanted to do. So, in game game three of the NLCS, I had been telling some friends, like, uh, wouldn't it be cool if or this is what I was saying. The loudest moment of the game is going to be when Ranger fields a comebacker and the home crowd goes insane. And finally in game one of the World Series, Ranger in relief gets the comebacker and he flips it with his glove to his bare hand, fires it over to first base uh, as cool as can be. And what a shame. What a shame that that game, uh, that moment was in Houston, that the home crowd could, could not react to that one. Cliff Lee-esque. Yes. Like, that That needed to happen at Citizens Bank Park. I feel like ever since he got snubbed from, from the gold glove thing because of that dumb rule, like, his defense has been even better. It's been great all year, but now he's now, now he's being, like, extra nonchalant about it, which I'm, yeah. I'm here for. It's funny. It's so good. All right. I think that'll do it for this episode. Phillies tied 1-1 in the World Series. Moving back home. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll have more for you, more for you as the series goes along. We'll see what happens. Thanks again. We'll talk to you next time.